in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's meditation is about love, and the title is To Learn to Love. We could start by saying that love is very natural to every human. We enjoy being loved and giving love. It is a very powerful reality in our lives. But we love because someone has loved us before. We learn it from someone else. If a person has not received any love, that person will be a little bit of a monster, will find almost impossible to love other people. Then, what is the origin of love? Why we can love others? The origin is because God has loved us first. God is the origin of love. We can love because God loves us. When we read the Bible, we discover that the origin of the whole creation is the love of God. God has created us out of love. And he has created us to love. He has given us love without interest. St. Paul explains in his letter to the Ephesians, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. You see, God has loved us before he created us. As he says, and St. Paul says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. The book of Genesis also says that he, God, created us in his image and likeness. And a little bit later, we'll say that Jehovah, God, formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This breath of life means that God transmitted to us his own life. Is much more than just a little bit of air. Is his life. That is the meaning that it has in the Bible. And it's not just a human life, but the, la- the life of God himself. Is the life of that transforms us in a living soul. Through this, we can participate in his infinite love. We can understand the love of God like a pet cannot understand our love. If we even shout to the pet, the little dog, that we are extremely happy, the dog will look at us and will think, well, well, I don't know what the dog will think, but is it's not moved at all by, by this. We were in the same situation to be able to understand the love of God the love that God wanted to give to us to make us infinitely happy, we have to have something divine. And that is what God did at the very beginning. 
we don't want to develop this idea further because it will give, give us time for another meditation. We have enough to understand the principle that I wanted to bring to us is that God loved us first. That the origin of every love is God himself. Let us now dedicate a few minutes of our prayer to consider this love of God that becomes the first column of our faith. The fact that God loves us. We see how God has loved us from the beginning. From the beginning, the beginning of the beginnings, we have received that infinite love of God. And it is also sad, I mean, not also, but it is sad, to see that the love of God comes in parallel with our infidelities to Him. For instance, God created us part of His family, as we have said, so we could participate of his infinite happiness. And we, richest creatures, wanted to grasp that happiness in our own, on our own power. You will become like God, the, the devil said, and we believe it. And it's like the little boy who is very small, but instead of allowing his mom to, 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 to feed him, he has put his hands on the soup or whatever, the, the cream that the mommy has prepared for him. That is what we did, okay. Adam and Eve were in a terrible state, a terrible situation. 
they could not give themselves what they have lost, what they have broken, what they have destroyed. The only thing that they could expect is the punishment from God. And that's why they hid themselves from God. They give the excuse that they were naked, but the reality is that they are behaving like little children when they had been naughty and mama arrives. They don't want to meet her. God, instead of punishing them, promised to send in a remedy, to send in someone who will restore the primitive plan. Yeah, the infinite love of God and infidelities. Then God, through Abraham, starts fulfilling that promise. And he established a personal relationship with Abraham, a relationship of respect and love is so different to the way other gods treated their servants during Abraham's time. It's like showing to every mankind, to mankind, that God is not angry, but the opposite. That he is happy, fulfilling his promises, and that he will send someone who will redeem us and transform us again. Then it comes Moses, who establishes his covenant with, with us. I mean, the covenant with God with us. The people of Israel became his people. I mean, the people of Israel became the people of God. And the intimacy that God has with Moses, that was surprising, he is the only one who has seen God face to face. Well, pass to the people of Israel. It is Israel itself who exclaims that no other nation has their God so close as Yahweh is to his people. But they, even when God was ready to forgive, even when God has been so faithful to them, even when God has performed amazing miracles in front of them for so many years, then were unfaithful to the covenant that God made with them. And the expression that God uses is that they have committed adultery because that covenant between the people of Israel and God was stronger than marriage. But the people of Israel have gone with other gods. As we know, God has forgiven them so many times. But there is a moment in which God doesn't want to renew that broken covenant and wants to do it a new covenant, but with the remnant of Israel, with those who really want to commit themselves to fulfill the covenant, those who want to be faithful. It was time for God to say, Enough is enough, and to destroy the people of Israel. But no, he doesn't do that. And carries on, this time with a new covenant, with those who still belong to the people of Israel, but want to be faithful to God in a different way. And he is when our Lord comes on earth. The promise is fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ, and is when we experience that infinite love of God in us. 
is the gospel that explains how much God loves us. We see it in the passion and many other aspects. But he himself, Jesus himself, tells us how much he loves us. It's the gospel of St. John. It says, Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And how did God love us till the end? Well, St. John also explains, and in a way in which we, people from the West and 20 centuries later, we don't, we don't see the depth of what is going on. Let's see if we can see a little bit of it, a glimpse of, of it. The Gospel says that Jesus rose from the supper, laid aside his garments, and girded himself with a towel. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. The reaction of St. Peter is quite surprising. St. John explains it. He says, He came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? It is almost like Peter is saying, Lord, have you become mad? What are you doing? Do you wash my feet? Jesus realizes, and he says, Jesus says, What I'm doing you do not know now, but afterward you will understand. Peter, who had not been understanding anything at all, has his proper, proper reaction. He says, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And it's clear that Peter has not understood anything from, from this context. Jesus loved them to the end and loves us till the end because he acted as a servant or as a slave. In those times, no one would dare to wash someone else's feet unless the person was a servant or a slave, or maybe the little one of the house that doesn't understand what dignity means. So that is what Jesus is doing. He's taking the place of the servant or the place of the slave when we are in the middle of the ceremony of the Passover, where he is the main celebrant. He is like the patriarch of the tribe, represents that. Everyone is serving him. He has very rich garments, like the priest when says the Mass, okay? And he takes all these things away and starts washing the disciples' feet, which that's why Peter gets so surprised, is the task of a servant, the task of a slave. That's the way in which Jesus loves us till the end. Now I want to leave you on your own and think about this. Do you love everyone till the end? To the point of becoming like a slave for them? Or do you 
separate people and you say, well, I can do this for that, but not for so and so. You know, we are very selective when we decide to laugh. Let's see, let's analyze, examine ourselves how much we love people and how well we love people. Few more explanations from Jesus will help us. St. John carries on saying, when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? These people, I mean the apostles, being quite simple, they may have said, Yes, you wash our feet. Like sometimes men react. There were three brothers who were on the service, and the priest asked them, since they were going to be part of the celebration of the Last Supper, to get ready for uh, washing the feet. And the girl who came after them in the family was very worried that maybe her brothers had not washed their feet before going to Mass, okay? And it will be very embarrassing if the priest just takes the, the, the feet of her, her brothers and it was dirty. So she asked that, well, do you know if my brothers had washed the feet before coming here to the Mass? And the dad said, I don't know. After the Mass, we can ask them. So after the Mass, she went directly to the brothers and said, did you wash your feet before coming to the Mass, and the boy said, what for? They were going to wash the feet here. Okay. So the apostles, being simple, may have done something and, and given to Jesus an answer similar to that. 
But our Lord is talking about something completely different. Because he said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. It's like telling them, I'm not mad. I wash your feet, and I behave like a slave, but I still remember that I am your teacher and your Lord, I mean God. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. And this example is not, as you can imagine, to wash just one another's feet, but to love the other person till the end, okay? Till becoming a slave if he's needed, whatever. And that example that he has given then is transformed into a commandment. Allah says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. See that our Lord doesn't say, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you are super orthodox, or if you are able to say the rosary in Latin, okay? Or if you, I don't know, Whatever, whatever funny thing you can imagine, no, no, is charity, is loving one another. And loving one another as God has loved us. That goes beyond the understanding of human love, okay? Human love has many limitations that once we stop a little bit, we can look at it. Now I leave you with our Lord and try to, to explain to, to him how much you are able to love, and, and if you really feel that God loves you. Because only when we experience that infinite love of God in us, we can give that love to other people. And really, God loves us in a very personal way. San Jose Maria used to say that he loves us with our names, I mean, knowing each one of us, not in abstract and in general, but one by one and a specific person.
Nothing attracts more than love. We have been created to love and we enjoy that love very much. And we see how powerful human love is. At the same time, the original sin has made that love very imperfect. That's why God has wanted to give to us a special gift, the virtue of charity. It's a gift that comes from God. It's one of the three theological virtues, which means that it's coming directly from God. And he's trying to teach us how to love, how to love as God did. We find very difficult to follow the example of our Lord in the Gospel, when he became a slave, loving everyone, and he washed even the, the feet of Judas, who was going to betray him a few minutes later, a few hours later. Our human love, believe it or not, is very imperfect because it's really wounded by the original sin, but not being destroyed, but wounded. For instance, the way in which God loves everyone is in an unselfish way. Our love is very, very interested, which means very selfish. If someone gives us five million pounds, we become directly attracted to that person. And we love that person so much, especially if the person tells us that it's going to give us next week five more millions. It's, it's almost natural. I mean, the naturality of uh, imperfection of an uh, original sin, or the wounds of the original sin. Then, the other thing that happens with uh, love is that it makes us to be very blind. We love people who do things for us, and then we stop seeing the defects that, that people have. You remember, maybe, maybe you remember, the moment of, in a film in which a gangster gives to the Paris priest an amount of money, a lot of money, but a lot of money. And the Paris priest is so happy with it. Everyone is telling the, the priest, look, you have to return that money because it's the money that is coming from crime, from prostitution, from drugs, from killing people. And he, the Paris priest, was trying to defend the gangster, saying, you don't know him. He is an amazing person, so nice. Then, also, God forgives always. We don't forgive always. Our love is limited, and, and even we think that there are things that cannot be forgiven, when, while God forgives us always. And God forgives, as I said, everything. We don't forgive everything. If someone cuts us uh, an arm, and, well, probably we are, think, we are going to think that we cannot forgive that person because he has inflicted a, a pain and, and damage to us for, for the rest of our life. That's why the, these are a few reasons why the, our love is limited and needs the virtue of charity that teaches us to love God above everything and through him to love humanity as God loves us. Those who have love more in the world are the saints. 
which means those who have loved most are the ones who are able to love other people most and better and with no interest but for the sake of being there. I leave you now with your thoughts about loving, about God, about how to love other people as God loves us. And let's ask God to send us the virtue of charity, to give us charity because we need it. How many times do we need to forgive our enemy? Even seven times. Not seven times, but seventy-seven, said our Lord to Peter. I give you thanks, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. <laughs> 